you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Who knew we'd do it again? Almost a 1,000 episodes. Oh, we just figured we'd make one more. Anyway, guys, so thanks for tuning in. Go to youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. You can watch the glorious video of this free for an unlimited time. You want to get that offer what's still available. You can also go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those places those crazy kids are playing. You can see uh, different variations of the show and cuts and all that sort of good stuff. You can also go to goodreads.com for chess Chris Voss, uh, where you can see all the books we're reading and reviewing over there as well. Today we have an amazing author on the show because that's all we ever have is amazing authors. We put them in the Google machine and we go, amazing authors. And, and, and they come up and we go, hey, you want to come on a podcast? And they go, sure. This isn't a book that's coming out. You want to pre-order this thing because it's going to be out October. October 12th, hot off the presses, have that new ink smell that gives you that little subtle high. Just kidding. This book is called The Summit, Journey to Hero Mountain. Deborah Johnson uh, yeah. is the author of that book. For those, for those people who used to smell the markers, the permanent markers when you're in elementary school, or the people that chew up the crayons like me. I always ate the crayons. Those The crayons are the best part of school lunch, I think. But uh, Deborah, let's talk about her. She's not only written multiple books and albums, but hundreds of songs, three full-length musicals, and is the producer of the popular podcast, Women at Halftime. I feel like there should be like an NFL whistle there. (laughs) Her fifth book is an allegory. There's a great word. Uh, Released in 2021, of course, like we mentioned, October. Yeah, there she goes. I can't even hold her back. I can't. She won't even let me finish her bio. This is how. This is how exciting she is. Wait till. You, wait till she gets on the show. She re- relishes the. She relishes the creative process, and is focused on helping those at mid-career or the halftime of life maximize their skills, talents, and resources to make their second half better than their first. Deborah was the past president of the National Speakers Association in Los Angeles, and has written and produced multiple online courses she's up for double or let's see up for multiple grammy awards and spending over 20 years in the entertainment industry she's built multiple self-driven businesses and is an expert on how to constantly reinvent yourself in a gig economy deborah speaks and performs for both live and virtual events and what do you know she's here live welcome to the show deborah how are you oh, well thank you quite an intro <laughs> yes we, we try and give it that uh, who, wonderful wrote that? <laughs> yeah, who wrote that wow. i made that up off the cuff no, that's right that's right so, well, so welcome <laughs> welcome to the show. give us your plug so people can find you on the interwebs on multiple websites of course but you can get me at uh, goalsforyourlife.com that's one word goalsforyourlife.com women at halftime.com you can find uh, my podcast of course mm-hmm. i have djworksmusic.com that's been there forever and uh, this was my very first website and then deborah johnson speaker any of those 
you can get to a lot of my products and just what I do. And I help those maximize their skills, resources, and their talents, especially at the mid-career halftime. People are asking, what's next? And that's what I do. And I'm a creator. I love to create product created a lot of product. And so I do have music publishing and all of that. And, and of course, this is when you mention allegory, people go, what is an allegory? I heard about that somewhere in school, but it's a story within a story. I felt like people need to identify right now. They want to get into it. And it's a very simple story, very simple, but it has some great walk away principles and fun to read a little um, magical realism in it. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Probably more difficult to write than some of my self-help books mm. uh, because to simplify it, it's harder to cut things down. So, mm. mm-hmm. I thought an allegory was a, a guy named Al who was gory. I don't know. Gory, so yeah. Gory. Hey, yeah. you probably just studied a lot harder than I did. I just got a pink slip from the radio station. <laughs> they just fired me. Oh, as soon as we're done with this. So the joke was that dumb. What motivated you want to write this particular book? This, because I felt, especially coming out of this year and a half of like isolation or whatever, I'm attracted to those type of stories. And sometimes I, I like to read something totally different. And I had the idea to begin with, there was a little spark and I, because I, I keep note cards and I'm always... I'm full of ideas, you know, <laughs> projects that I could do forever. And I had seen this scene that looked like, oh, would that be a great place to go and just spend a month and just write? And that it was gorgeous. And then I thought, you know what? Nobody has the time to do that anymore. No one would be there. And so I came up with the idea factory so that no one was there and all of these unfinished projects. So I wrote that down on a note card. And then I wrote some other things down on a note card. I came up with the social media circus, like, okay, what is this whole, it's a big circus, it's a big game. And so that all became kind of parts of the book. I had started first in thinking I would call it like the idea factory or something like that. But then I thought, oh no, this is a full journey all the way through these different lands and these different places where this character starts out, her name is Mallory, which her original game was not good enough, but Mallory means ill-fated. And she became, through this journey, she became Andriette, which means strong and courageous to be able to reach, actually reach her summit. And I thought that's, it's a very simple little story, but all of these, you know, parts of this story weave together that we can really, many of us can really identify with. There you go. There you go. And uh, what's Hero Mountain? Hero Mountain is it's a, a trademark that I have. It's part of being able to have your personal and your professional life connected. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a program of Hero Mountain to reach the Hero Mountain Summit. Uh, I run twice a year, but we talk about mindsets. We talk about skills, competency, relationships. There are six parts of this. Your purpose And putting those all together, that because your core, it's very important putting all those parts together to link your personal and your professional life. And especially at mid-career and halftime, you start thinking a lot more, okay, what is life really all about? So those are the things that really start coming together at that point. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. The summit journey to hero mountain. Mm-hmm. Where do you get time to do all the things you do? Hundreds of songs and all this stuff. How do you get the time? You know, I am asked that so much. Um, I know how to, <laughs> it's really funny though, to me, 
I am not writing a book about all the get done someday. But I I really like I like to work, love to work. I get up very early, keep pretty good habits. Part of Hero Mountain is developing systematic habits as well. But I love doing and I finish projects. I actually finish them. Some people have a hard time. They start I've known so many people, they start, oh yeah, or I'm gonna start. But I, but I do finish, but I do, I get up early. I get up first thing I do. I have my little quiet time. Then I do exercise and I get, I've got, I've had this sort of routine and it's just one step after another. My dad always instilled in me plan, get your tools ready the night before. So you do that. And I was born on a dairy farm. Okay. So anybody born on a dairy farm, you're up to getting up with those cows. So I get up early. (laughs) There you go. There you uh, so, go. <laughs> so what do you hope people are going to take away from the book? What, what are they going to, uh, what do you hope they leave with and they're inspired by? That they have everything with them mm. they, to do what they really want to do and desire to do. Now that doesn't mean that you can do everything. You need to evaluate what's realistic in your life. But if you've had this dream forever and there's parts of this that you can put together, you can do that. And one of the, one of the mindsets that our character has to get around is saying, I can, instead of I can't. Oh. And there are, and I will, instead of I won't. And so there were um, parts of this that in our lives, that that's that self-talk, that mm-hmm. negative self-talk and all of that. And, and it doesn't matter what level you are at. I was just doing an interview again this morning. It doesn't matter if you are, have been on the very, very top, we've known some very successful artists and very successful models and all, and that still with that little self-doubt, and it doesn't matter if, if I've just put out a new great project and I still struggle, <laughs> I have to go back and do my journaling. So it, there's parts of that that I hope everyone leaves with that hope. The character wears a band of hope. She can't mm-hmm. lose it. And uh, without, we're all lost. <laughs> <laughs> we are. That's true. Yeah. Hope is the thing that, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Bobby Kenny's speech was the South African ripple of hope mm. uh, speech. And he talks about, we send forth these ripples of hope and save the world. What, what else do you want to touch on in the book to encourage people? To go- you can always listen. There's the audio book and mm-hmm. you can always listen and you can always just sample, but it's mm-hmm. just has, has fun. There's some little illustrations in there. I put a couple maps in here, which was really fun because I got... When I was writing this, I thought, I need to read something that I've never really read. I've mm-hmm. watched, you know, some of the, I'm not a big TV watcher, but I watch some movies. But I read all of the Harry Potter books. Oh, wow. I can't believe that J.K. Rowling can write like 800 words, 800 pages. That's a lot of pages. But, but I just noticed how the characters were developed and how you get into the places and, and envisioning those. So I put in some, some illustrations with some maps. And, but I really think I've had some reviews coming in because it's just now being released mm-hmm. and I've had it out for review. And that this is really appropriate also for those even younger for mm-hmm. in their 20s and their 30s that are wondering, okay, is this really what I want to do? And it's a good one when you're thinking about what you want to do in life, even mm-hmm. at that. A lot of people who have this thing where my mom told me that I could have it all. Yeah. And you, you can't have it all and be happy. Am I incorrect there? 
you can or you can't. Which way is it? I don't know. It seems to me, I meet a lot of unhappy people that are miserable and unhappy because they have this mentality they can have it all and you just can't have it all, in my opinion. You need to, you need to, I'm going to go back to this funny quote though. You need to define all. What is all? To me, in my life, it's not all about just making profit. I know mm-hmm. for pe- some people it really is. They did well. You need to make a certain amount to live, but I have what I need right now. And I think at a certain point, people get to a point where they they want to pursue. I know people that have wanted to pursue their own side business. Well, mm-hmm. started as a side business and see how that's going to pan out. And there was this big emphasis on following your passion and following your dreams and the big Steve Jobs thing. And after reading So Good They Can't Ignore You with that, with great book, by the way, if anyone has not read that, you need to read that, especially because your passion can develop with expertise, figure out where, as you get really good at something, I can sit and play a piano and sing and talk to you for hours upon end. That is a natural, and it's very enjoyable to me. Now, it's not what I do all the time right now. I've not done club work or even some of the headline entertainment that I've been doing. But it's 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 what, when you start getting into your expertise and being really good at something, there's a joy that happens. There's a joy. I hire editors to help me write because it's not something I grew up. Some people are just... I, I listen and I read to some of their books and I'm thinking, wow, you guys are just like amazing. But I need editors around me, but there's such a joy in putting out a good product that I feel will help people. You just have to find out where's your expertise, what are you best at within that expertise, and then then pursue that. But no, there are a lot of, but there's a lot of people also, Chris, that need a box. They need this. They, keep, they are not entrepreneurs. They can't... Think about, well, I had to put a schedule. No, let me just show up and stamp. There are people like that. That's fine. I've never been, that's not my makeup. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I think it, as I think about it, I think where people get delusional is they think that having it all means that every one of those things that they'll have when you say all, which usually yeah. includes everything, it will be perfect. I'll have the perfect yeah. husband. I'll have the perfect marriage. I'll have the perfect life. I'll have the perfect children. And just going down that road to hell to perfection is, is maddening because it's unattainable. And I think some people really get stuck on that. Perfect is the enemy of done. It really is. I've known those who have tried to get something so perfect, entering contests, doing all of this, and they they didn't submit because I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it done. I was just trying to get it one more time and I missed the deadline. And just at some point, you just have to leave things. And when you say all, that's where really you have to get what to your core values are, what really means the most to you. Mm-hmm. Family has always meant the most, one of the top priorities. I've raised three sons, still married to the guy I went on a blind date to <laughs> many years ago. Amazing. And I'm very thankful. But those priorities, I've kept those priorities. I have worked. I've changed my work schedule around many times to work with when you have three boys, four and under, that's just a ball of like energy all the time. You, you change your life and your schedule around. So when I write 
And when I even compose now, I'm writing from experience and it's such a joy. And if people get something out of that, again, it's about getting the message out there. And that's part of what my mission is. But having it all is going to mean something different. I think you got to sit down and say, really, what is that? What does that really mean? And Mm -hmm. when a parent says, oh, you can have it all, they need to help at least guide that child through what does that really mean because i tell you what kids will see right through that they they are pretty smart yeah there's so many people that they think that they think they have this vision that everything is perfect like i i thought when i became successful like everyone loved me and i'd have all the things i wanted and everything would be perfect and the more successful the more rich i got the more problems I had, the more BS that went on. And some people like me less, and I can't blame them turning out, knowing how I turned out for a while. <laughs> but uh, but it, uh, I thought by being successful and, and having money and, and stuff that it was like, oh, everything just falls into place, and all yeah. you do is get bigger problems. I think you know, people need to keep that perspective. And I think you said it great in the beginning when you said sometimes you need to say, I can't do this, or I don't want right. to do this. You need to cut it down to something that's uh, achievable. So how did you go from being a, a milk farmer, milking milk cows farmer. At early in the morning, Becoming an entrepreneur and and an artist. A milk farmer. That's pretty funny because I don't think I've I've ever milked a cow. Did you say (laughs) you got up early and milked cows? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I was born on a dairy farm. And that's my job. Oh, dairy farmer. Yeah, I was born on a dairy farm. But that's about it. Now, my dad milked cows. I tell you what, he would have the stories for you the night before they even had all the electronics. But how did I become an entrepreneur? I did not even realize I was an entrepreneur. To be honest, Chris, I had no idea. Went to school, got the graduate degrees got this got the teaching degrees first and i taught i actually taught school i was offered contracts when contracts were not being offered and i ended up uh teaching a couple years thought oh this is just in secondary this is not what i want to do and so i got the graduate work done and then ended up doing some travel and tour with music groups and then taught so actually met my husband finished graduate work and taught in a college as well did some of that Uh, especially when we had kids. But I didn't really realize, I knew, now I was creating at this time. I was starting, I was a music director, did all of that stuff that you could do as a musician. I always talk about multiple streams of income. You've got to have them in a gig economy. But I started realizing I was more of an entrepreneur when I started doing albums. Hmm. And uh, remember the first uh, engineer I was working with, and we were working with this big Neve board at this point, this before everything way back when before everything was all electronic you might remember some of those days and you were all of you were doing your little levels and he looked at me at one point and he said man you were and I had to go and look up that word because I thought it was bad but <laughs> he just called me <laughs> tenacious and but I the, the word entrepreneur wasn't readily thrown out there it wasn't it, it became more of a thing mm-hmm. and now of course whole college courses are on degrees and all around mm-hmm. but that if I had known that or given that opportunity I would have probably recognized it sooner but I've always been a creator I started DJ works when I was growing up and I would make cards for our neighbors because wow. my name was Deborah Jean and then my then it was my last name but now it's Deborah Johnson so it's still DJ it's fine but that's, that's all the way through prepared me for realizing really what I've been all along. Yeah. 
That's awesome. You've written hundreds of songs, yeah. three musicals, now five books. I'm getting tired just reading that. I know. Musicals. And this book was probably most like one of my musicals. I started writing musicals because I was working with a coach that said, this would be a good way for you to expand your song. And so I thought, okay, I'll start writing. And so I did and had really no idea at that point when you write them, you really need to produce them and, and work with actors and work with directors and musicals are great. They're so much fun, but they are money pits. And, but yeah, it was probably writing this book like an allegory was most like writing the script for a musical because of the characters and the actors really give you gifts when they, you put them, them in these characters and you're going, Oh, that's how they would act. Oh, that's how would, they would respond. Because it's a little different than a mus than a musician, but those were their musicals are the crafting of those is yeah. quite something. It's it really it's a big work. It's a big work. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. we we had one of the producers for uh, he did he, they used to call him the chairman of the, the board, being a studio the board right. of tracks and stuff, right. and uh, he produced what was it Asia Celia Dan's Asia I think Gaucho and mm -hmm. like he worked with everybody from Streisand to you name it for the 70s on yeah, yeah. and yeah it's a lot of work to put all this stuff together we talked about how all the different engineering and producing yeah. and <laughs> it's crazy all stuff it really is it's fascinating and i have a little studio but it's a i call it a production studio mm -hmm. and when i've done you know projects at some point i i, I go other places and because those guys are on it all the time and when you're just coming back to it you're going okay you know, so yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot involved in the whole process, but again, it's the secret is not leaving it undone is to finish it. Mm -hmm. So, so when did you write your first song? Do you remember? Ah, my sisters and I grew up singing together mm -hmm. and we did fairs, we did churches and my beginning piano teacher, I started when I was nine and a half playing. And oh, wow. said, some people, they think, oh, I've got this prodigy. I need to start them at four. I need to start at the age of eight or nine is for kids. But I progressed really fast. I started, she had some music groups and, and so she brought my sisters and I in and we would sing with some of their groups and then we'd sing and do our, our stuff too. So I started, when we started doing performances, just my sisters and I started writing for us first mm -hmm. and I'm sure really bad songs and, and, but doing that and just progressing. And as I had jobs to, as I was doing events, sometimes I'd write a song for that. And it wasn't anything that I was just regularly doing until I started writing a lot more for like my first album. And I started writing for that, which was actually a gospel album because I was one of the things you can do as a music musician, of course, is either work, Bach did this, he worked for the church or the court. And so there's usually a job at a church. So, but I did a, a gospel album, which is a very nice songs in it and album. And then from there just started and I was music directing. So I start writing, usually it's writing for something. So if I write for a project, for a musical, for something is what I usually end up writing, not just a um, write to write. That's awesome. So what, what inspires you to write and keep writing and of course, get it done? What inspires, mm -hmm. I think any creator, uh, you have a spark of an idea. You hear some of these that wake up in the middle of the night, oh, I've got this hit song, but usually it's crafting mm -hmm. and writing is rewriting. And so what inspires, usually there's something that inspires, but then mm -hmm. 
It's the discipline. I call it seat discipline to mm-hmm. finish and to rewrite it enough that it's, it's got, it's more polished. And that even happens. Sometimes we hear this all the time and it'll happen when you're recording it in the studio and you're going to do it, produce it. Can you do that a little bit different? Can we change that around? Hey, that word, a couple of these things. So those sort of things happen when you're actually then producing them and you have to be willing to change and uh, then put it out. Yeah. It's funny how this, how the same thing with writing music works for writing books as well. The editing and the constant fixing and making it better and better. Yeah. It really does. It's uh, the rewriting and it's not always easy. And when you get the notes back from the editor, you're thinking, oh, I thought it was better than that. <laughs> Just like, oh my gosh. But they're right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And it's going to, it's going to put it. And one of the hardest things, Chris, and this I really went through with musicals and it really applied to this book as well in a story. Because if a song or if a scene does not move the story ahead, you need to be willing to cut it. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple songs in one of the musicals I wrote. It's called Sarina. I call it the Les Mis of Do- the Dr. Chivago, Les Mis or whatever, what I called it. But it's of the Russian Revolution right mm-hmm. then. Nicholas and Alexandra, uh, a little bit of the fictional story within there. And I had seen a couple of these great songs in there. That I did, and people liked them a lot. But I had for the musical performance with the actors... I needed to cut them. And yeah. it was like, oh, that was a great song. And I I will produce it separately and have the music out for it, but it's not a part of the musical. It didn't need to be a part of the musical. And the same thing in some of our writing is that we have to be willing to say, I could probably make this a little shorter. I have an, uh, a son who's an attorney. I know I mm. look much too young, but I have a son who's an attorney and some of the training that he had to do when he was working some internships and uh, starting to work with writing the briefs for his company that they would say, no, make it shorter, make it shorter. Mm. And you never think a, an attorney had to do this. <laughs> but he said, if you can do it in five words, do it in five. And the same thing in some of our writing. And it's not easy. It's hard to do that to scale it down, especially in a story. Yeah. You're like, oh, I wrote all these words. I wrote all this stuff. It's a, it's an opus. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, you cut that down for the radio. It needs to be three minutes there, baby. Oh, um, I know. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Don't people want to hear me? Don't they? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Now, so you've also done entrepreneur stuff. You've produced and written multiple online courses. Now, one last question I have for you on the music portion. Where, where can people find your music and uh, your albums and all that good stuff? Where's a good place for that? DJ Works Music. If you okay. go there, it's all connected. DJ Works Music altogether. Okay. And I do have a products page on there and you can find everything. Uh, used to, you used to be able to do a lot of stuff through uh, CD Baby, which was mm-hmm. great for an independent and a great company. But they merged and shut down. And my, some of my stuff's on uh, um, Amazon as well. But if you want a physical album or anything like that, I still have CDs in my closet. Yes, I do. I've got those. Or uh, you can request a download. And I've got plenty of product, a lot of product. And Sheet Music Plus, I have lots of sheet music available for uh, immediate download. You can look up DJ Works and you can see uh, a bunch there. And some of my most popular downloads are some of the hymns, which are interesting to me. But I think people just really, 
enjoy some of the pianists especially enjoy sitting down and playing them. Mm-hmm. So do you do any heavy metal? No, uh, I'm just kidding. No. I Sometimes I've asked. People think they're so funny too. They come up and say ask for it, something. <laughs> it Pat Boone, didn't he do a heavy metal album? Oh, he probably did something. Uh, yeah, like Mr. Some, White Shoes. Good yeah, guy. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> funny when he, I saw that I'm like, I don't think that's right. That should yeah. be legal. So you've I'll get back to this then. You've written and produced uh, multiple online courses, been an entrepreneur. Tell us about some of the work you've done in that thing and what sort of courses you've made for courses. The first one I did, it's called keys to the keyboard and I did it because I I experiment a lot and when I tell people to do uh, technical expand their technical abilities which a lot of people have had to do now I said you need to get into reps and you need to be willing to take a risk so when I was doing keys to the keyboard I did this for a friend who was really having a hard time she was teaching voice in New York a professional singer and she said, man, I'm just, I'm having a hard time because I got to hire a pianist for every single lesson. I said, Karen, why don't you play? Why don't you just pl- play for your own lessons? Oh, no, I'm not good enough. I said, do you know your chords? Well, sort of, but not really. I said, you can do it. You can do it. So I wrote this little course, simple course, on making sure that you, all of your chords, major, minor, diminished, all your versions and all, basics. And basics for actually a lot of vocal music majors that couldn't pass the piano proficiency. A lot of them, I was coaching them as I was going through because they were having trouble with theory. But it was a lot of times it was the vocal majors because they never had that sort of theory of putting all of these improvisation. I started out in piano on improvisation and that's why I play almost anything. So, but the, but that's what I put together with green screen. Okay. So was not perfect, but it's pretty good. When I look at it and the technology that I was able to use at that point, and I got into it and I thought, oh, this is interesting. I could do, people can access this all online. And it's changed a lot since I first did that. I've been able to put it now on a lot of different platforms. That's what's changed. The videos are the same, but from the different platforms. So then I started some other piano because I did a, an instrumental piano for kind of intermediate pianists that wanted to call Wayfarer's Journey. Great little album with all the sheet music, but I put out some courses for that. I put out some professional development courses with my very first book, Stuck is Not a Four-Letter Word. I put out a large course for that that you can you can get that has study guides with it. I come from an educational background too. So I understand, you know, how make the videos shorter and put those nice and a lot of visuals. I use a lot of visuals, of course, video within the the courses too. So it made them interesting. Basically, I was learning as I went along, but I think the online, a lot of people want that personal interaction right now. So I try to do both. And I don't do a lot of private coaching. That's why I put my Hero Mountain Summit. It's only twice a year you can, but you can get a little more access to me, but it's the, you can have both. You can have the online uh, courses, but you can also have that personal, uh, almost like that push that you need. Mm-hmm. What was one of the biggest challenges you faced as a solo? I think one of them is uh, what to say no to. Mm. You know, we were talking about that because if um, I don't say no to enough stuff, I get, there's too much taken up my time. I can't do, spend enough time or enough. I think this is what, where that idea factory comes in to have ideas and, and to be creative. 
you got to have a little time and space. Some of that I think has been some of the challenge as an entrepreneur. I, as a musician coming from a gig economy where you'd go gig to gig and I've worked on referral for years. I've, I've just worked. I'm mm. the 1% of the 1% that have usually actually work in that field. But the, the business part of it, I, I was never trained in actual business. And this is what I've worked with interns at the college. I've had them in working with them. And that are music majors. And I say, you know what? You need to be a business major and do your music, but be a business major because most of them are never going to make it as musicians. And to be honest, but the business part of it, you've got to know. So that's probably, Chris, that's been one of my challenges. A lot of people come from that. They know business. They know how to do that. But I had to learn, love marketing. I do love marketing because again, I like putting out product. I can put out marketing product, great stuff. But building that business, asking for the business and doing all of that is more of a challenge for me. I'm a little more soft sell and I always will be. And if what I do, I've got a, a boatload of experience and of what I can help people do and a varied experience. And not a lot of people do what I do. So that's my uniqueness. Or as much as you do. Or as Holy much. Crap. And I always will. I tell my boys, when you put me in the home, I'll probably still be playing, doing something. <laughs> so, <laughs> they probably won't be able to catch you to put you in a home. <laughs> Get her. She's running away. So, you know, you talk about the halftime, the halfway through your life concept. Your podcast course is Women at Halftime. I went through this whole reassessing my life during COVID because I had nothing better to do in my COVID foxhole. Right. Yeah. And... I started thinking about where I was. I'm 53 years old. I know I look like I'm 20, but Brad Pitt calls me for tips. But I started realizing that this was a moment for not only reflection, but a moment maybe to redesign my life and decide. The questions started coming out. What do we do once we come out of this hole of COVID? And we're, what's life going to be like? What's my life going to be like? And there were a lot of things I realized that I either accomplished or I wanted to do, or my values had changed a little bit. And, um, I started realizing and telling my friends this, I go, I'm in the last half or maybe two quarters of my life. Maybe there's the last third, maybe, I don't know. It's, it, we'll see how it goes. I started thinking about my father's age and when he died. And, and of course he had a lot of health complications that, that I, that he had at my age right now that I don't have. Some of it was self-inflicted, but I started thinking about it and I'm like, how much time do I got on the, where, the road? There's a road ending somewhere right down here. And I'm definitely past maybe the halfway point. And I probably should start thinking a little bit more serious. I picked up on that. And I was thinking in like a football concept because I'm a yeah. Raiders fan. Mm-hmm. But tell us a little bit about that, maybe your podcast and, and the concept of, of approaching a life in that way. Yeah, it's a great question. And and I called it women at halftime because mostly women will be attracted to listening. But there's a lot of men that listen mm-hmm. to, by the way. And a lot of men that really need to, like you, look at halftime of life. And I married a professional athlete, so I do know what halftime is. There you <laughs> and, go. Um, although I'm not an athlete, believe me. But at the, I think there are questions that we do ask. And in the last five years, my husband and I have lost both sets of parents. Hmm. And one thing, my father, I thought my father was going to live to a hundred. He had <laughs> Talk about energy and the amount of things that he had done and just um, an amazing man, giving man, entrepreneur. I think I got a lot of my entrepreneur from him. 
but he, and but my mother too. And, but my mother had some diagnosis and some breast cancer, all that sort of stuff. And she was doing okay, but we thought she was going to go first. My father got ill. We lost him in 11 weeks, 11 weeks. It was, that was it from the moment that he was diagnosed with two types of cancer. And so I was able to, and I was president of a nonprofit at that point, president of our National Speakers Association, LA. And so I was running this board, I was doing a lot of stuff virtually and caring for my dad, driving an hour and a half and to be able to care for him subsequent days. And he said something to me. He said, I'm not afraid of dying. I know where I'm going, but I really like living. And for him to say that, I've, and that's what I use in my speech, my keynote speech. I really like living. And if you were at the point of your life where you're saying, and you're starting to question and you're going, I think there is a little more. I really like living. Some people, for some people, that means giving their time to a, a nonprofit. I just interviewed for my podcast, just produced this one that was out last week for a young gal, actually, that climbed Mount Everest. Oh, wow. And now she's helping these women out in Nepali girls in Nepal. And she's going there this week. And this is her, she's a mission-based speaker, a mission-based business now, because that's what's driving her to do other things, to do her writing and everything else. So you may find yourself at a point of your life thinking, what next and what else is there that I can do that would encourage and help. And that's really why this part of my life, that's what the focus is, is helping others. I think there are very few mentors, true mentors that can actually say, I can help you with, or I can find somebody to help you with that. I don't work well with people that are stuck in their victimhood. You can go somewhere else. I'm just not going to help. It's just not me. But there are people probably for that. But that's, if you though want to grow and if you, personally, professionally, and in life. And that's what I'm about yet now. I can give you those tools. I can help you out with the areas that you are are struggling in. And I think that sort of mission, Chris, is what I think will help drive most anybody when they really find their stronger purpose. And our character, even in the summit, she finds herself on this endless roundabout. Oh, wow. And uh, actually trademarked um, roundabout hero because she has to get out of that roundabout because she's on that endless roundabout because she was getting so distracted with other things. And, mm-hmm. and until she got her back to her main purpose of what she came on that trip to do, which was to get to her summit, she will keep spinning and getting distracted. And I think but many of us reevaluate. When I started expanding my from music into speaking, I found that it wasn't, you know, I was focused so much on just, okay, I'm going to do the speech, but I found there was so much more to it and that there really needed to be a mission and an actual purpose. And that heart, that core heart comes through a speech. It comes through the messaging. And I think people, if you're missing that, that might be something that you really need to stop and, and reevaluate. Spend time, and I'm big, I'm big on journaling too. It just needs to be a short line, but but to reevaluate is is very helpful. I do a lot more journaling too, and I, we had somebody on the show who talked about how leaders do a lot of reflection, and that reflection really helps when you sit yeah. down and go, 
what the hell did I do today? Yeah. And you reflect on some of your achievements. It's nice to go back and look at them. And then also it, you just reflect on your life. And right. I think people reflect on stuff. Because I meet people in life that they, you're like, what did you do? Like, you went through a whole day, hundreds of people or whatever it is that you do for your job and you don't, you didn't learn anything. There's no stories. I always have 50 stories for my day. I'm like, you won't believe what I saw uh, over here. Uh, this person, that person. Yeah. Especially when I had a lot of employees. So there was always stories, man. Yeah. I could write like four books of stories about employees and my adventures oh. with employees. I think adventures, is that the right word? So there you go. But yeah, what is really inspiring and really motivating for people? What else do we need to touch on before we go out? I There's so know. much, you know. I, yeah, I don't know. You can ask me. I told you, you can kind of ask me whatever whatever you will. So what do you think about quantum physics? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would have a trouble with that. Okay. Don't ask me, as okay. I say, don't ask me the math questions. <laughs> okay. I, 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 balance think... my I get all that stuff done, but yeah. I flunked those too, so there you oh, go. Man. So as we go out, give us uh, your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs. Okay, you can get, again, a uh, number of websites. Uh, my keynote is The Hero Inside. You'll see that if you're watching video, of course, you can see that sign behind me. But And you can see an eagle there. I'm wearing a little eagle today because it's something my father had given me. And he had started, I should have known all along he was an entrepreneur. He had started, co-founded a, a cement tool company built in oh, wow. the buildings. He was also a fire captain. He did a number of things. and But this was their logo, was that eagle. And so that always means means a lot in flying. And I wrote a song called You Can Fly and or I Can Fly. And but the hero inside is that. But the, my websites are Deborah Johnson Speaker. It's goalsforyourlife.com. You'll find a lot on my goalsforyourlife.com. There'll be links to everything to even the music, djworksmusic.com. And there'll be uh, links to my musicals. You can see tons of videos. I've got YouTube channel. I've got all sorts of things. Uh, you can connect with me, Deborah.Johnson on uh, my Facebook site. And I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, Deborah mm-hmm. J. Johnson on LinkedIn. And yeah, so yeah, you can definitely find me and definitely find the summit. And when you, because there's an, an, an author bio there as well. So you can read a little bit about me there. Thank you. A little tiny plug on that, but all of that, any other questions that you have, Chris, you are like the question king. <laughs> That's what we do. We've done a few podcasts on this thing. Yeah, I, for love years. I love this format. I, when you. I started doing format for podcasts, it's, okay, this is my wheelhouse. I really love doing it. I love being able to ask the questions as well, but also interact. It's just a lot of fun. I love people. So that really comes through. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, I love people. I like listening to people's stories. I like their journeys, hearing where they came from. Cause life is like this giant catalog and people do so many different things. And you're like, why did you decide to do that? And you're like, wow, that's interesting. I think if you have a deep interest in other people, you learn a lot from them as well. So thank you very much for being on the show with us, Deborah. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And it's always a pleasure, always an honor. And I never treat it lightly. So thank you. There you go. Guys, order up her book and see her other stuff that she's got going on with music and everything else. The Summit, Journey to Hero Mountain. It's just going to be out uh, next week, I think. Uh, Actually, October. it's today as we record this. Oh, is it 12? Yes, it is the 12th today. You are losing track of time, Chris. You're doing do, too much. I do two podcasts a day. And usually by the second one, I'm starting out. <laughs> You're getting tired. You need some October chocolate. 12th. Darn it, man. Where is this year gone? I don't know, but it is out today. Officially today. Officially out today. So, yes. Yes, so you order it. it right now. Yes. So order it. <laughs> <laughs> and get it now.
Did I say pre-order the beginning of the show? I probably you did. did. But I didn't wow. correct you. Notice. I didn't. No, I've been what? married for a number of years. I did not correct you. So I let you go on, Chris. <laughs> One of the secrets, by the way. <laughs> when I started the show, it was in pre-order. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, anyway, yeah. guys, order the book up. Check it out. I'm going to go try and figure out what coffee Deborah drinks. What's that? It's chocolate, too. So yeah. Cho- cho- chocolate oh, and coffee. Oh, I can't. I tell you. Oh. That must be the secret thing. I don't it is. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Deborah, for being on the show. Thanks, Mountains, for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button because uh, you will have achieved something today, and uh, that may be all of it. But uh, go to there. Also, go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss. See everything we're reading or reviewing over there. You can go to all the groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those places the cool kids are playing. Be good to each other, and we'll see you guys next time.